Hey, one second. I think we got all that ready to roll. All right, two, one, boom. Hey, hey, welcome back to Chew the Bible. It's your good friend, A.A. Ron. I'm still adjusting to doing all this. Whew. I don't know why I do this, but I'm trying to grow the, the podcast even more, slowly but surely. Ah, and it's a one-man team right now until I start training my kids on how to do all this stuff. Eventually, this is going to be their podcast. That's the vision. Hopefully, at least one of them will want to take it over. All I have to do is just show up and just talk. <laughs> and my son, Aiden, he's the techie guy. Have him uh, show him how to do all this stuff. And I'll just show up to the mic and just talk. He'll talk with me. Anyway, we are in Matthew chapter 13. Reading out the New Living Translation. <clears throat> and my voice is holding on to God's unchanging hand over here. Boy, <clears throat> it feels like a frog or something is inside of there. Here we are. Parable of the farmer scattering seed. Now I'm warning y'all, this is some hard. I'm just going to pray. Heavenly Father, there's going to be some hard words said in here. I just pray, prepare our hearts. Soften our hearts, help, allow us to be able to just receive what is said here without fear, without um, fear of punishment or judgment, but just receive it as joy in knowing that it's um, just knowing that the urgency, the urgency, that we have an urgency to tell others about your goodness, your grace, your mercy, your power. And uh, yeah, the revelations that we receive as we listen to this, that we will be uh, more urgent to spread them to other folks that we that cross our path. In Jesus' mighty name I pray. Amen. All right, parable of the farmer scattering seed. Later that same day, Jesus left the house and sat behind beside the lake. Beside the lake, not behind the lake, beside the lake. A large crowd soon gathered around him, so he got into a boat. Then he sat there and taught as the people stood on the shore. He told many stories in the form of parables such as this one. So I can't remember where I was where I was or what I saw or where I heard this, but yeah, by him getting on that boat. And the water being behind him, something about the acoustics and just being able to project what he had to say, they could hear it better. Anyway, I don't know where I heard that, but. Listen, a farmer went out to plant some seeds. A farmer went out to plant some seeds as he scattered, scattered them. As he scattered them across his field, some seeds, some seeds fell on a footpath. And the birds came and ate them. Other seeds fell on shallow soil with underlying rock. The seeds sprouted quickly because the soil was shallow. The soil was shallow. But the plants soon wilted under the hot sun. And since they didn't have deep roots, they died. Other seeds fell among thorns that grew up and choked out the tender plants. Still other seeds fell on fertile soil and they produced a crop that was 30, 60, and even a hundred times as much as had been planted. Anyone with ears to hear shall listen and understand. 
Verse 10, his disciples came and asked him, why do you use parables then? Why do you use parables when you talk to the people? He replied, you are permitted to understand the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, but others are not. Hmm. To those who listen to my teaching, more understanding will be given and they will have an abundance of knowledge. But for those who are not listening, even what little understanding they have will be taken away from them. Hmm. There's so much more that can be said about that, but it's going to keep on reading. That is why I use these parables, for they look, but they don't really see. They hear, but they don't really listen or understand. Hmm. So it's possible for us to just be reading the Bible and going to church and never actually really allowing the word to take root in our heart. Just be mindful of that. All of us can be more mindful of that. This fulfills, and that's for things that we might have heard. We can have been in church our whole life, heard the same sermons preached over and over again. And the biggest area for me personally where sometimes it feels like the seed hasn't always taken root in my heart is when it comes to just the whole the simple message of God's love for me like that he loves me unconditionally that there's nothing that I can do to be separated from him like yeah even though I came up recently at church a couple weeks ago one of the elders got up and just said he just felt that the Lord um, put on his heart to just that our church just needs to know and understand the depth of the love love of Jesus, how much he loves us. And that was the other song that was playing when I woke up. That whole that song, uh, he is jealous for me. Love's like a hurricane. I am a tree bending beneath the wind, weight of his wind and mercy. Yeah. How many, like, oh, he loves us. How like I think if everyone knew how much Jesus loved us you can't give what you don't have and we don't know the depths of how much you're loved it's hard for you to give that to other people and to I don't know when you when you actually that actually permeates soaks into your heart and your mind like you're just different and you can see it on some people like they just something about them they're just different so all right this fulfills the prophecy of isaiah that says when you hear what i say you will not understand when you see what i do you will not comprehend for the hearts of these people are hardened and their ears cannot hear and they have closed their eyes so their eyes cannot see and their ears cannot hear and their hearts cannot understand and they cannot turn to me and let me heal them Mm. It goes back to us talking about a heart like Psalm 147 3 he heals the broken heart and bandages all of our wounds but he can't do it if you don't if you're like that stubborn old guy who refuses to go to the doctor all right verse 16 but blessed are your eyes because they see and your ears because they hear I tell you the truth I tell you the truth. Many prophets and righteous people longed to see what you see, but they didn't see. And they longed to hear what you hear, but they didn't hear it. So if Jesus was saying that to that generation, what about our generation? 
I know there's a lot of things we can't see with our physical eyes, but I tell you right now, when you start to spend time in God's word and in prayer and not around other Christians, you can start seeing some things. You're like, whoa. Whoa. And only imagine like if my if you know, for some reason the rapture doesn't happen and I my kids um outlive me or whatever. Um, I can only imagine the things that they're going to see as they continue to press into their relationship with Jesus. Now listen, verse 18. Now listen to the explanation of the parable about the farmer planting seeds. The seed that fell on the night. He's about to explain it. About to break it down. For those of y'all, the whole parable just went over your heads. Boom. Which happened to the disciples a lot. A lot of things went over their heads. So here we go. Jesus is about to break it down. Now listen to the explanation of the parable about the farmer planting seeds. Verse 19. The seed that fell on the footpath represents those who hear the message about the kingdom and don't understand it. Then the evil one comes and snatches away the seed that was planted in their hearts. The seed on the rocky soil represents those who hear the message and immediately receive it with joy. But since they don't have deep roots, they don't last long. They fall away as soon as they have problems or are persecuted for believing God's word. I think every Christian at some point, or even before we become, become Christians, whatever stage of life you came to Christ, everyone can relate to those first two examples. The, the seed that fell on the path and the seed that fell um, on the rock, the rocks. All right, here we go. The seed that fell among the thorns represents those who hear God's word, but all too quickly the message is crowded out by the worries of this life and the lure of, of wealth. So no fruit is produced while the lure of wealth, the lure of, it's not, there's nothing wrong with having money or having wealth. The lure of wealth, it distracts, it distracts us. The worries of this life. They distract us. They keep us from really receiving what God wants to say to us. I'm going to keep going. Verse 23. The seed that fell on good soil represents those who truly hear and understand God's word and produce a harvest of 30, 60, or even 100 times as much as much as hat. My bad. God's word and produces a harvest of 30, 60, or even 100 times as much as had been planted. So... There's something about the power of multiplication in God's kingdom. Like when we really receive those seeds that God plants into our heart of truth about his love for us, how much he cares for us and his goodness and his mercy and his faithfulness and his grace, then we're able. And then the fruit of the spirit, love, joy, peace, kindness, patience, long suffering, self-control. Yeah, whatever other ones I'm missing. Then we're able to be the hand and feet for other people. And then God has a way of multiplying that. And I believe the harvest is, is souls. Like some of y'all, that don't sound kind of cool and sexy to y'all. <laughs> but at the end of the day, like it's other people who now become Christians and become more like Jesus. And then they produce fruit of love, joy, peace, kindness, patience, long suffering, self-control. Yeah. It's that simple. It's not another church building, even though nice church buildings are nice. It's not another program, even though those are nice. It's not another whatever you want to call it. It's souls who follow Jesus, and then they act more and more like Jesus, showing the fruit of Jesus. That's 
what he's, that's what I like to think he's talking about there. Now go read your own commentaries and come to your own conclusions, but that's when I read that, that's what I think about. And I often say like, when it's time for me to cross over and spend eternity in heaven, I look forward to hugging all the different people that over the years I've been able to be the hands and feet of Jesus to or told about him and the fruit that's produced out of that. So, all right, parable of the wheat and weeds. All right, this is the hard part. This might be kind of hard for some of y'all, even for me as I read this, this stuff kind of makes me tremble. Here is another story Jesus told. The kingdom of heaven is like a farmer who planted good seed in his field. But that night, as the workers slept, his enemy came and planted weeds among the wheat, then slipped away. Those crafty jokers. Verse 26. When the crop began to grow and produce grain, the weeds also grew. The farmer's workers went to him and said, Sir, the field where you planted that good seed is full of weeds. Where did they come from? An enemy has done this, the farmer exclaimed. Shall we pull out the weeds, they asked? No, he replied. You'll uproot the wheat if you do. Let both grow together into the har until the harvest. Then I will tell the harvesters to sort out the weeds, tie them into bundles, and burn them, and to put the wheat in the barn. I believe Jesus is going to explain himself there, so I'm not going to talk much further. But... I encourage y'all to just read that on your own and just read it a couple times. Just let it marinate. All right. Parable of the mustard seed. Verse 31. Because if I talked about every single one of these little sections, I'd be here forever. These would be all these recordings would be an hour long. So. All right. Here is another illustration Jesus used. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed planted in a field. It is the smallest of all seeds, but it becomes the largest of gardens of garden plants. It grows into a tree and birds come and make nests in its branches. It's wild to think about. My dad, uh, I wish I don't have the mustard seed with me. I got to go find it. It's amongst his stuff. Um, but yeah, before my father passed away, one of the things he showed me was a mustard seed. He was so excited about it too. He's like, look, son. He's like, one of my coworkers, um, there was this guy at his job who they used to talk about biblical things all the time over at Ford. And he gave my dad a mustard seed. My dad was so excited about this little tiny mustard seed in this little dime bag. And I'm like, <laughs> and he was so excited about it. You should see me look like a little kid. But like, it's amazing. Yeah, that, I wish I had it right now. I'll show it to y'all. But just this tiny little speck grows into a large, humongous tree that something that birds could eat. Now they build their nest in a tree that's from this little tiny seed. And that represents even what I'm doing right now and doing this podcast. And even though sometimes like, ah, I don't feel like doing that. Sometimes I feel like I'm wasting my time. I don't have very many subscribers, very few, few people may even, I don't know who's watching this, but even if it's one person watching this and that causes them or my kids someday watching these, these recordings and it causes seeds to be planted in their lives. Um, basically you never know what kind of seed you're planting into somebody's life. When I'm doing Uber and people get in my car and I'll have, sometimes I'll have worship music playing or, you know, I'll hand out these Romans Road of Salvation flyers or whatever. This one guy today, he asked me if I smoke weed and I was able to tell him that, that stuff makes me paranoid. And I just told him, like, there's something better. I gave him the earthly example. I said, hey, I take this stuff called L-theanine and it helps calm me because he said he deals with a lot of anxiety. So I was like, hey, I take this stuff called L-theanine. It helps calm me. And uh, I make sure to get a lot of good sleep. But then I was like, I also, I'm a Christian and I pray a lot. And 
I was like, if I didn't have my L-theanine or for those, the thing that I don't tell y'all is if the weed is gone or uh, weed is an expensive habit. So if you can't pay for the weed or you can't get it, then what, then what do you do? Like, what is, what is the cure? And that's why I was able to share. Jesus is the cure. I pray to him and I memorize scriptures and quote scriptures out loud when I'm afraid or I'm anxious. Like it says, be anxious for nothing, but through prayer and supplication, make a request known to God, you know, the whole God has not given us a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power, love, and a sound mind. Like quoting that stuff over and over again. That's the cure more than L-theanine or weed or whatever. Now you have to use those things in the meantime. I'm not going to knock you. I'm just saying what works for me. And those little tiny seeds, you have no clue how much of an impact that's going to make on somebody's life. You may not be able to see it now, but years down the line, who knows? All right. Parable of the East. Only Jesus knows. Jesus also used this illustration. This actually was used in the Bible lab recently. Um, they actually, uh, a couple days ago, this scripture was uh, the theme verse. Ah, Jesus also used this illustration. The kingdom of heaven is like the yeast a woman used in making bread. Even though she put only a little yeast in three measures of flour, it permeated every part of the dough. Verse 34, Jesus also used stories and illustrations like these when speaking to the crowds. In fact, he never spoke to them without using such parables. This fulfilled what God had spoken through the prophet. I will speak to you in parables. I will explain things hidden since the creation of the world. All right, we're almost done, y'all. Promises is up. Matthew, he be, this, some of these chapters kind of long, not like Malachi. Let's go. Parable of the wheat. And weeds explain. Now he's about to come back and explain himself to these disciples who sometimes stepped this one over their head. Some of them must have been blinds. All right. Verse 36. Then leaving the crowds outside, Jesus went into the house. His disciples said, please explain to us the story of the weeds in the field. Jesus replied, the son of man is the farmer who plants the good seed. The field is the, wor is the world and the good seed represents the people of the kingdom. The weeds are the people who belong to the evil one. The enemy who planted the weeds among the wheat is the devil. The harvest is the end of the world and the harvesters are the angels. I just had this whole image in my head. You ever like heard some kind of something good and then somebody comes along like, are you been in church and you want, you were eager to share what God was doing in your life or what he, he revealed to you revelation. It's like, gotta be kind of careful who you share stuff with. And then that person just automatically had all this negative stuff to say or to say, like, why are you believing that old stuff? It's all make believe, you know, God isn't real, whatever. Like, that's what I think of when I as I was reading that. That's what I was thinking of. All right. The enemy who planted the weeds among the wheat is the devil. The harvest is the end of the world and the harvesters are the angels. Verse 40, just as the weeds are sorted out and burned in the fire, so it will be at the end of the world. The son of man will send his angels and they will remove from his kingdom everything that causes sin and all who do evil. If that doesn't make you tremble. I don't know what else could. All right. Verse 42. And the angels will throw them into the fiery furnace where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in their father's kingdom. Anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. I'm not going to go that deep into all this, but we're also as Christians going to pass through the fire and all the stuff. It's kind of like, yeah, the dross 
all the things. Yeah, my counselor, he always says, I just hope I don't smell like too much like smoke when he passes through the fire. So all the things that we did or said on this earth that had nothing to do with like building God's kingdom, waste of time, waste we spent money on stuff we shouldn't have spent on, like all that's going to burn. And only thing that's going to last is the things that actually mattered, that built God's kingdom, that matter for eternity, particularly the souls, the people that we had a part in like sharing the kingdom of God with and being the hands and feet of Jesus and, and ushering them into the kingdom, the seeds that we planted through our words and our deeds, our deeds and our seeds don't cause us to enter into heaven. It's only Jesus Christ. Anyway, we're going to keep reading. We're going to keep going because we'll get to that more as time goes on. But, um, yes, all of us are going to have to pass through the fire eventually. Parables of the hidden treasure and the pearl. Verse 44, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure that a man discovered hidden in a field. In his excitement, he hid it again and sold everything he owned to get enough money to buy the field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant on the lookout for choice pearls. When he discovered a pearl of great value, he sold everything he owned and bought it. Or the prices, some people call it the pearl of great price. So, um. This story reminds me just like the, the woman with the alabaster box of oil put in on the feet of Jesus. We're going to read about her. Um, the widow's might that she gave all that she had. Yeah, those stories that we're going to read. That's what this reminds me of. Um, could you imagine selling everything you own? Anyway, let me keep going. A parable of the fishing net. Like er everything that you own right now. Everything that you own right now, just for a ticket to be with Jesus. Because I always say heaven is not just about the destination or the place. It's about the person that's going to be there. And, um, yeah, we have to be willing to, like, let go of all of it. Like, if God told you to just, like, sell all your stuff right now and just go, we should always be ready to... I'm not encouraging you to just go sell all your stuff. I'm just saying, like, we should be, like, we should hold on to this stuff, like, very loosely. The things of this world and the things of, uh, yeah. There you go. They're going knocking off the mic. I bet y'all. All right. Here we go. We're almost done. My goodness. This is long. But it's good. Parable of the fishing net. Verse 47. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a fishing net that was thrown into the water and caught fish of every kind. When the net was full, they dragged it up onto the shore, sat down, and sorted the good fish into crates, but threw the bad ones away. That is the way it would be at the end of the world. The angels will come and separate the wicked people from the righteous, throwing the wicked into the fiery furnace where they will be, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Do you understand all these things? Yes, they said. We do. Hmm. What makes what makes you a bad fish versus a good fish? Because once again, I won't talk very long about this, but it's like if it's just about being a good person, then what makes you good? Like I hear that a lot from people like, oh, it's all about just being a good person. There's many ways, you know, everybody's right. Nobody's wrong. This whole nebulous type thinking it's like what I know I'm not good like I've had I had at least five to ten thoughts today if not more 
that were completely evil and wrong and I've done some things whether by sins of omission things that I probably should have done today that I didn't do that just not listening to the Holy Spirit the promptings of the Holy Spirit where I could have done something or said something I just was like I ain't doing that so anyway I deserve all of us to it says Romans 3.23 Romans 3.23 says all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God everybody all of us have sinned all of us have veered off the path so it's like who determines what is good and that's why I need Jesus because it's like he was the only perfect one never did anything wrong and he's like my relationship with him is what is going to allow me to enter into heaven and spend eternity with him not me doing a bunch of good stuff and that's why I'm not a bad fish only when I stand before him he's like why should I let you in like why are you not one of these bad fish that should be tossed away where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth it's because I'm like Jesus because I already know what I think and what's in here. And anyway, every day I'm becoming more and more like him, but I'll never in this side of heaven actually be, shoot, there's a whole long way to go. I'm working towards call, yeah, this salvation, sanctification, glorification. And so right now, as a Christian, we're all in the, Christians, we're in process of sanctification, becoming more and more like him until we get our glorified bodies, then you won't, deal with any more of those temptations to look at stuff you shouldn't be listening to or looking at or listen to stuff you shouldn't be listening to or go on places you shouldn't be going or you know all right let me keep going verse 49 that is the way it would be in the end of the world the angels will come and separate the wicked people from the righteous showing the wicked and throwing the wicked into the fiery furnace where they'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth do you understand all these things yes they said we do Verse 52, then he added, every teacher of religious law who becomes a disciple in the kingdom of heaven is like a homeowner who brings from his storeroom new gems of truth as well as old. All right, let's keep going. We're almost done. I keep saying that, but <laughs> he's going and going like the Energizer Bunny. Woo. All right, we only had 26 minutes left. All right, Jesus rejected at Nazareth. When Jesus had finished telling these stories and illustrations, he left that part of the country. He returned to Nazareth, his hometown, when he, t when he taught there in the synagogue, everyone was amazed and saying, where does he get this wisdom and the power to do miracles? Then they scoffed. He just, he's just the carpenter's son. And we know Mary, his mother and his brothers, James, Joseph, Simon, and Judas, you know, those dudes, them dudes, they ain't nobody, they ain't, they ain't nobody. All his sisters live right here among us. Where did he learn all these things? He's just, just some regular dude. And they were deeply offended and refused to believe in him. Then Jesus told them, a prophet is honored everywhere except in his own hometown among his own family. This scripture has been quoted so many times. The variations of it, even in sports analogies, they use this exact scripture. Just, they just tweak it. Anyway. And so he did only a few miracles there because of their unbelief. I really hope and pray that Kansas City or your hometown, wherever you're from, doesn't miss out on. I want sometimes I wonder how many miracles are we missing out on because of our unbelief. Makes you wonder because I've heard like in other parts of the world, they have miracles all the time in these like remote villages and places where there's no cell phones. So people can't just automatically start sharing stuff and, you know, trying to blow up their YouTube account and go viral. Um, 
sometimes I wonder how many miracles we're missing out on because of our unbelief or because uh, God already knows that we would try to automatically make some money off of it all. So, all right, y'all. Thanks for listening. Thank you uh, for everybody on YouTube Live over here, everybody on Instagram Live who watched, and uh, you on Facebook Live and on the podcast. Till next time, I will be in. Next time, we'll be in Matthew chapter 14. See how long that one is. Okay, that's on 36 verses. So, all right. Till next time, I'll holler. God bless. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned or missed the mark or veered off the path and fallen short of the glory of God or God's perfect standard. Romans 6.23 says, For the wages or the cost of that sin is death or eternal separation from God. But the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Romans 5a says, but God demonstrated his love toward us or showed his love toward us in that while we were still yet sinners, Jesus Christ died for us. Romans 10 verse 9 through 10 says that if we will confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart that God has raised him from the dead, we will not might be, not maybe, we will be saved. For with our hearts, we believe we are now in right standing with God. And with our mouths, we confess that we are now saved. Lastly, Romans 10 verse 13 says that whosoever, anybody or everybody who calls upon the name of the Lord, they will be saved. So if you never asked Jesus into your heart or you've walked away from him and you would like to rededicate your life to him, you can just simply say, dear God, I know I'm a sinner. I know my sin deserves to be punished. I believe Jesus Christ is the son of God who died for me and rose from the grave. I want to turn from my sin and trust Jesus Christ alone as my savior. Thank you for the forgiveness and everlasting life I can now have through faith in Jesus. In Jesus' mighty precious name I pray, amen.